Well, I feel really bad for those of you that had to sit on folding chairs, but I'm really glad we had to put them out. Praise the Lord. Amen. So today is Christmas Eve, and when you come to Christmas Eve, it's important to admit where we are. This is a time of joy, filled with celebrations. Our, our families are together, which we love. Amen. Our friends are around, we've had occasions with them, and we have all these auditory sounds around us. We've, we've sung the Christmas carols, we've heard these beautiful offerings of music from the musicians of this church, and I'm sure on the way over here, uh, you were probably listening to your favorite Christmas songs on your radio or Sirius or whatever, and we love the sights of Christmas, the nativity, candles, the Advent wreath, and of course the star over Bethlehem. And I want to tell you, I have a friend, Mitchell, he's my favorite Hebrew, he's a Jew. He said to me this week, so, it's Super Bowl week for you preachers, right? <laughs> I said, oh yeah. But, but there's a temptation. There, there, we have to remember where we're at. There's a time of temptation here for the preacher. Temptation runs really high when you come to Christmas Eve and you have to sit so, seats so close that they can almost read my notes with me. The temptation is to become overly nostalgic. I don't know if you know this, but this is the 200th anniversary today of the authoring of Silent Night. And we could become overly dramatic about what a silent and beautiful night it was and how wonderful it is, but that's a temptation. The, the temptation is to become overly nostalgic or, or maybe overly dramatic, and, and we could go on for a long time about how thrilling it is that we're the first Christmas Eve services ever in this no lo location. And whatever we do here will be the, the traditions that this congregation carries on forever. But that's a temptation. And it's also tempting to be overly cute or gimmicky at Christmas. I went to a Christmas Eve of a party with, or a Christmas party with preachers. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? <laughs> These people are just mean. Yeah. I can hear you laugh when you laugh out loud. But anyway... I've seen these sweaters. You know, you've seen the sweaters, and actually one was at the last service right up here in the front row blinking at me. Do you all have blinking sweaters on? Somebody got blinking sweaters? I love those blinking sweaters. You know, they're really cool if they say, like, Dallas Cowboys, and they blink in silver and blue or something like that. Or if they say, ho, ho, ho. But I go to this Christmas party, all preachers, and this guy's got one of those blinking Christmas sweaters on, and it's the nativity. <laughs> like, there's something so, you know, we're not going to get all gimmicky tonight because we just have a couple minutes together so it's important to have clarity one of my friends tweeted out don't get tweet don't get don't get nostalgic don't get dramatic don't get cute just preach the gospel so that's what I'm going to endeavor to do for the first few next few minutes what is the gospel simply put the gospel is good news all the people in the world need the good news of Christmas. It's why we say Merry Christmas. It's why we say right. The hard truth of humanity is this. You see, at the beginning of creation, God creates humankind with his own hands. 
Male and female, he makes them. This is what the scripture says. And then he breathes the breath of life in us. Each one of us is especially made by God. We are precious, made in his image. We have the opportunity to reach the highest heights. But even with that creation, the reality is bad news exists. Even though we're created in the image of God and given that perfect spirit to live on, bad news exists in the world. And bad news exists because we're created with free will to be and do as we wish, and we don't use all of our freedom to do the good, godly thing. We need good news. Because we know the mark that God has set for us. He gives us a clear indication of how we are to live our lives and how we are to pursue Christ. And yet we fall so short. We don't live that to which we're capable of. Which makes us in biblical terms and in real terms, terms sinners. Which means we put things between us and God and we fall short of the mark that he set for us. And the penalty of sin is death. And we know there's no way we can earn our way to God. There's no way that simply being a good person, being a good moral person is going to move us from where we are to where God is. And because of the bad news that we bring upon ourselves, God gives us Christmas. Because of the bad news we put on ourselves, God gives us Christmas. You see, it pains God when his beloved creation, which is people, the ones that he loves the most above all other creations, are lost, are broken, or without future or hope. The bad news is the reason for Christmas. Understand what I'm saying? The bad news is the reason for Chris Christmas. And the outcome of Christmas is good news. We, we know this nativity narrative that, 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 that this, the high school seniors read to us today. We know the prophecy of Isaiah. We know that story of that nativity of how the angel comes to Mary and tells her she's pregnant with the child of the Most High. How the angel speaks to Joseph in a dream and tells him not to divorce Mary. How the child is born in Bethlehem of Judea in very humble circumstances. And wise men bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh come to him. We know that story. We know how Joseph is told to call the child Jesus. And then is told, said, the child shall be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. So this Christmas Eve, the heart of this talk is going to be a new word. I made it up myself just last week. It's the word with, and you add ness to the ad. Withness, not witness, which is what Spellcheck wanted to make it say all the time. But withness. L let me explain. In the Christmas narrative of the Nativity, God says he's going to be with us. He, there is this eternal withness that happens at Christmas. And in our Christmas narrative, the narrative that each one of you, of, of, I don't know, we had 670 seats set up before you got here. There's more of them than that filled. But there's that many stories in here, each one of you having your own Christmas narratives. And God extends his withness to you. His witness to be present with you. This is the gospel. This is the good news. It's why we say... Merry Christmas. That's what this is all about. You see, God's witness is a real presence that can be physically experienced. I mean, you and I love 
those spiritual moments we had, maybe some of you were transported to them in some of the singing, or maybe when the students were reading that story that you've known for so long, or maybe in some other moment, you love those moments where we're transported to some spiritual place that seems to be above the transitory nature in which we stand, uh, above and beyond the physical which we're in. We, we love to be transported to those spiritual places where we say we literally feel a God moment. But we also need a physical God moment. And the Lord knew that. We need the physical that can be seen with our eyes, touched with our hands, encountered with a conversation. And that's the good news of Christmas. The eternal God doesn't just stay out there in the cosmos as the creative being. The eternal God comes into time and space. God steps into history at a particular, and if you're listening to Madigan, a recorded moment in time when Cornelius was the governor of Syria. He shows up. He comes to be with us in a specific moment. And that withness is physical. God creates a child in a virgin's womb. That doesn't happen, you know. But the all-powerful God becomes a powerful child and has to be wrapped in blankets, just like a little baby that's just a month old in the front row. That has to be held in a mother or father's arms to have any warmth or ability at all. That has to be changed with regularity. That has to be nursed, all those kind of things. The all-powerful God that made us all and set us free becomes powerless in a child. And the all-present God that's present from every end of creation and through creation and before time, through time, and after time becomes locational. He comes to Bethlehem, which is a real place. I've been there. In the county of Judea, to live in a location with his family. And the all-knowing God chooses to increase in knowledge like a child does. Even though he is the very beginning of all knowledge, even though he's the only child that ever made his own mother, he increases in knowledge like a human being does, like we did. We know a lot more now than we, when we started, right? I mean, when we were kids, we didn't know anything. We didn't even know how to get up. But he increased in knowledge. God's withness, and we need to understand this at Christmas, in the person Jesus is real and physical in every way. This is the gospel. This is the good news. It's why we can say, Merry Christmas. See, God's witness in Jesus Christ at Christmas means that God chooses your side. Every single one of us has been alone or felt alone spiritually, emotionally, or physically in our lives. Years ago, I was the chaplain at Simpson College, which is down in Indianola, Iowa. I was in my early 30s, a little bit more brash than I am right now. But we were having some stuff on campus, and I had decided that as I walked out of campus worship one day, which was different from my normal, that when TV 13 and 7 were there to interview me, that I'd take the interview. And I said something to the effect of, and when you work for a small college, not the smartest thing to say, I said something to the effect of, you know, it's time for us to start look, being better than we try to look as a college and as Christians. It's time for us to start being 
better than we look. So about a week or so later, the Board of Trustees happened to be meeting. Now, if you know anything about small college, the Board of Trustees are total control of everybody and everything. They raise the funds. They change salaries. They, you know, get rid of chaplains sometimes. <laughs> and so I was ready, and I was on the Board of, uh, of Trustees' agenda, and there was a future candidate for governor on that board. There were some captains of industry, men and women, that led. And I remember standing in the hallway thinking, I wonder where the girls and I are going to live next. But as I stood there with my remarks ready, wearing a suit that I'm sure was poorly fit and overpriced for my salary, a man came up to me. His name's Owen Newland. He was the president of Pioneer Hybrids, president of our board of trustees. And he put his hand on my shoulder and I thought, this is how your last day feels. But he said this. He looked in my eyes and he says, chaplain, I'm with you. That was the only vote I needed. I don't know how, if you've ever felt like you're on your own and someone came up beside you and said, dude, no matter what happens, I'm with you. This is the core and the crux of the Christmas message. The living God comes up beside you, in front of you, behind you, says your name to you, and says, no matter what, I'm with you. Always. Never going anywhere. No matter what. God's witness at Christmas means that no matter what darkness you're walking into, no matter what difficulty you might encounter, no matter how alone you might feel in any particular situation, you have a powerful partner and a magnificent advocate who says, I am with you. God's witness means together, we and he, journey towards the same destination, the same goal, which is eternal witness, him with us, we with him, always and forever. This is the gospel. This is the good news. God's witness at Christmas is about being with you. That's why we can say, Merry Christmas. And God's witness at Christmas is about your reconciliation because this is what I know. We know the goal for us to live is up here and we spend a lot of time living down here and some time living down here. This pulpit's giant, man. I love it, but Sunday mornings I usually roam around out there. And because we don't live as high as we could, we're broken, and we need forgiveness, and we know we need forgiveness. I believe it's humans, humankind's greatest need, the, the need of our, of our healing. We need to have a restart. We need to be healed. I played an awful lot of backyard baseball growing up. Some of you did, too, you know, just a bunch of friends playing baseball. And every once in a while, you know, you'd have a situation, maybe you're playing three-on-three three or four-on-four four baseball, which isn't enough players, but somebody will hit it, and there's a play at second base or something like that. And, you know, if you're, on the, if you're on the team that's got that's batting, you think they're safe. And if you're in the team that's in the outfield, you think they're out. And you, and you start kind of trying to decide whether they're out or safe. And then the oldest one usually in the group says, hold on. Let's not fight about it. Let's have a do-over. You back to third base. You back to second base. Let's have a do-over. Whatever transpired, whatever just happened, it's erased. We can't fix it, can't figure it out, 
So let's restart. In God's loving forgiveness, we've made a mess. We can't fix it. So God, through Jesus Christ, erases it and restarts our life for us. This is the good news of God in Christmas. This is what his witness really calls to you. And the question is simple. Do you want to restart or not? Do you want a fresh start or not? It, it, the opportunity for a fresh start is why we can all say Merry Christmas with force and authority. This is the gospel. This is the good news. God's witness unveiled in the Christ child was, is, and will be for every generation. We know we're special. Our mommies told us so, right? We are one in a kind of a kind. We are unique. We are specific individuals to whom God expresses his witness along with literally billions of other individuals. God's witness is born in every generation to every person ever and always. The Christ child, Jesus, continues to be born year after year, day after day, minute after minute, in God's hope that those who have not yet embraced his witness will take opportunity to receive it. Christ has been born in and for our generation. It's why we can say Merry Christmas. It's why we can say that. Christmas celebrates that he has been born for you. And Christmas beckons to you. Has he been born in you? He's been born for you. But has he been born in you? This is the Christmas gospel. This is the good news. It's not cute. It's not nostalgic. It's not dramatic. It's not gimmicky. But it's really clear. Really, really clear. God has chosen this witness, this continual presence with us, so that we will know that he's real, so that we'll know that he takes our side, so that he'll know that we are, we'll know we're forgiven and know that he does not discriminate but offers the same for you and for every person ever. That's why we can say, God's Christmas is to be with you. Will your Christmas be with God? I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that God's witness, us with him, him with us, is the key to truly having a Merry Christmas. And I wish and I bless all of you to pursue that. Merry Christmas and amen.